This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 26 and 6, by far the best record in the NBA this season. Daycock with a dunk, and the final score will be 114 89 Utah, led by as many as 29. It's BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski and Ross Tucker on the BetQL Audio Network. Follow us on Twitter at BetQL Daily here weekdays 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. live on the Radio.com app and on 1430 in Denver. Joe Ostrowski and Ross Tucker with you on this Thursday, and we bring into the show like we do every week. Ryan McDonough, former NBA executive, now the host of the Radio.com NBA show. Make sure you uh, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, so, Ryan, let's start with uh, the All-Star game. As the reserves were announced the other day, I know you were none too pleased at Devin Booker. It looked like he was a snub. Then we find out on Wednesday afternoon that he did make it. And then what does Booker do? He goes out and he he pours 30-plus in last night. Uh, can, can you talk a little bit uh, about why you were so bothered by the fact that initially it looked like Booker was going to be on the outside looking in at this year's All-Star game? Yeah, good morning, guys. It's great to be on with you, as always. So with, with Devin Booker, uh, full transparency, I'm very biased. Uh, we drafted him out of Kentucky in 2015. I gave him the contract extension that he's playing on now. And, um, but, but the knock on Devin has been the team hasn't won enough games. Even when he played phenomenally well and put up tremendous individual numbers, especially from a scoring perspective, when you look at the points and the efficiency, uh, the, the knock was he didn't win enough. Well, this year, uh, the team had won about two-thirds of its games. They were 20-10 and 10 going into the game last night against Charlotte. And he still didn't make the team, even though Phoenix was one of the surprise teams of the year. Uh, they're sitting at fourth in the Western Conference. So I get that the West is loaded, especially in the backcourt. Uh, but, but I felt bad because, again, the criticism of Devin before was he played great individually, but the team didn't win. So that's why he didn't make it in the past. And this year, uh, he was playing well individually, and the team was winning. He still didn't make it. But kudos to Adam Silver, the commissioner, guys, because for the second year in a row, uh, Devin was named an injury replacement. Last year, it was replacing Portland's great Damian Lillard when, when Dame Dalla was hurt. And then this year, replacing Anthony Davis uh, with the Lakers' star big man out of the lineup. So, uh, Ryan, that's awesome, by the way, that you drafted Devin Booker, and you should be biased, and you deserve it. That's you know, those are the those are big decisions that you made and, and you nailed it there. For people that aren't as familiar, can you just go through the all-star voting selection process and then, you know, these substitutes that are put in? Because I know in Philadelphia, 
it was a big deal that Ben Simmons got put in instead of Tobias Harris? Yeah, Ross, that's a good question. And the process has changed over the last couple of years. Um, Prior to a few years ago, what happened was the fans voted for the starters. The fan vote um, was 100% of the selection criteria for the starters. Uh, But some of the issues there was there were some, you know, let's call them legacy players, some all-time great players toward the end of their career in particular, who were extremely popular, but probably weren't worthy of being a starter based on their performance that year. So what the league did instead was they changed the starting criteria uh, to 50% fan vote and then 25% vote from the media and then 25% uh, from the coaches. That's how the fan vote goes uh, for the starters. Now, the reserves are picked strictly by the coaches, and that's why there was some controversy, as as you mentioned, Ross. There, There seems to be every year. Um, with uh, Nikola Vucevic making the team. He was a bit of a surprise to some. And then, uh, you know, I think Ben Simmons less so. But there were a number of good players in both conferences who were deserving of making it. Uh, My final point, guys, on on the All-Star selection process is, and I put this on my Twitter the other day, at McDNBA, I really think the NBA should consider expanding the All-Star game rosters. I went back and did some research. In 1951, when the first All-Star game was played, there were 10 teams in the league, and there were 11 players on each all-star team in in both conferences Uh, this year, 70 years later, there are 30 teams in the league, but for some reason there are only 12 players on each all-star roster, which, which doesn't make sense to me. And I think is unfair to some of the great players in the league who get snubbed from the team. Ryan, I noticed the exact same thing. And that's such a great point year after year, the percentage of all-stars compared to the number of players in the league, gets smaller and smaller. I think it's like three or 4%. Would you make it out to uh, 15 on each team? Yeah, I I do 15. Uh, That's what I put on my Twitter, um, Joe. And and the reason for that is, uh, you know, a couple of reasons. Um, The league is, you know, 450 players now, not including the two-way contracts. Uh, if you add in the two-way contract, it's over 500 players. Um, so if, if the game is about, which I think it is, rewarding the best players and celebrating them, I don't know why it would be limited. Uh, so I, I think, for example, and this, these are just my picks, uh, but if you expanded the rosters from 12 to 15 in the Western Conference, uh, and this, I, I put this up before Adam Silver named Devin Booker as an injury replacement for Anthony Davis, uh, but let's say, assume AD were healthy uh, in the Western Conference, in addition to the guys who made the initial 12-man roster, you could add Devin Booker, Mike Connolly from Utah, who's having an excellent year. And I feel bad that, uh, you guys, he's going to go down as one of the best players in recent history uh, who looks like he's never going to make an all-star team. Connolly's had a phenomenal career between Memphis and Utah. But in the West, you could add Booker, Connolly, and DeMar DeRozan, who's having a terrific year for San Antonio. In the East, you could add uh, Chris Middleton, Demata Sabonis, and Bam Adebayo, or maybe Tobias Harris. Um, there's always going to be some kind of line and some kind of cutoff where people feel like they're getting snub guys, but I, I just think expanding it from 12 to 15 would make it a lot more fair. And look at it this way. If there are 15 teams in each conference, I think there should be 15 players uh, in each conference on the All-Star team. Yeah, that makes sense to me, uh, Ryan. Uh, quite a bit of sense. What did you think about uh, – Simmons over Tobias Harris. I didn't have a problem with it, Ross. I mean, it, when I filled out my all-star roster, um, he Simmons was on it and, and Harris was not. Um, you know, I, I think people tend to overrate defense, excuse me, underrate defense sometimes when they look at these things. Uh, Tobias Harris is a phenomenal offensive player. Uh, he's an excellent shooter. He scored very efficiently. Um, but Ben Simmons is one of the best defensive players in the entire league. I mean, he's versatile. He's consistent. He distributes the ball well. 
Uh, so I, I think the challenge, honestly, for Philadelphia is that they played well, but they haven't played great. And what I mean by that is I think in order to get three all-stars, again, when, when you keep in mind that there are only 12 all-stars per conference, in order to get three in today's NBA, you have to play great. And this year, guys, unless I'm missing somebody, um, you know, I, I don't think anybody did that other than the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn got three with, with Durant, Irving, and Harden. Other than that, as I look up and down the league, again, if, unless I'm missing somebody, uh, I don't think any other team got three because uh, even Utah, as dominant as they've been, uh, I mentioned Mike Connolly was a snub. Utah got two with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. But despite having a 26-6 and six record, the voters didn't think they were deserving of having three All-Stars which is very difficult to do in, in today's NBA when there are only 12 roster spots per conference. It's Joe Ostrowski and Ross Tucker on BetQL Daily. Our guest, Ryan McDonough, at McD, NBA, former NBA general manager. He, he hosts the Radio.com NBA show. Um, I, I feel like every time we visit, Ryan, we're doing an update on the MVP, but the conversation is so fascinating this year. And at this point in the season, it's more wide open than it has been uh, at any point this season. Uh, the Lakers have now lost five of six. We all know about the AD injury. Uh, I don't know about you. Maybe I'm the prisoner of the moment here uh, the, as the Jazz steamrolled the Lakers last night. But if I have a vote, I he's the betting favorite, but I can't write down LeBron right now. Would you? No, I, I wouldn't, guys. I, I think you're seeing the Lakers' struggles without Anthony Davis uh, and Dennis Schroeder as well. Um, you know, they're a very talented team when they're at full strength, but they're not a very deep team. They're a top-heavy team led by LeBron and AD. Uh, Anthony Davis is their second-best player. Dennis Schroeder is their second-best playmaker. So I, I think, uh, you know, they're, they're lacking without those guys. And, and, and you see some of the, the holes and the flaws in the lineup uh, when those guys are out. Now, that being said, in the playoffs, uh, depth is less important. It's more about your high-end talent and your star power. But uh, the MVP is a regular season award, Joe. So that's why I gravitate toward um, the best players on the best teams. And, and, you know, Lakers are currently third in the Western Conference. So um, th that's why, honestly, as I look at it from a betting perspective, uh, looking at the numbers and points bet and some of the other sites, I gravitate toward the guys either in the Eastern Conference, like Joel Embiid, who's currently second at plus 250, um, or then, you know, if, if you want uh, a longer shot, longer odds, um, Kevin Durant's at plus 1,600. He was my preseason pick. I, I think, honestly, too much has probably gone wrong uh, with him missing multiple stints due to COVID and, and contact tracing. Um, but, guys, if, if, I, if I were to pick somebody in the Western Conference and willing to roll the dice a little bit, uh, Damian Lillard's been phenomenal carrying the Trailblazers. Portland's currently fifth in the conference. Uh, if Portland get into the top three or four, which I think they have a real shot at doing, Later in the year when they get C.J. McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic back in the lineup, uh, that'll be on the back of Damian Lillard. So it, it's a long shot, and I understand why the odds are what they are. Uh, but if you want to roll the dice a little bit, uh, I like Damian Lillard at plus 2,500. Ryan, at what point do we decide the Jazz are for real and they can really do this? I've already decided that, Ross. In fact, I think it was on your show uh, a week or two ago, when they were at um, 12 to one to win the NBA title, I, I was questioning why I, I said, I, that doesn't make sense to me. They're better than that. And then sure enough, uh, checking this morning uh, on points, but they, they moved to eight to one, which I think is uh, still low. I, I think they're better than that. Um, when you look at what they're doing, guys, they're not only winning, they're dominating. I mean, if you look at the numbers in terms of the double digit wins, in terms of the record against the spread, uh, most of their games, including the game last night against the LA Lakers aren't competitive. Uh, they're elite offensively, they're elite defensively, 
They're setting three-point shooting records. Uh, their ball movement is phenomenal. Their defense, led by Rudy Gobert, is terrific. So um, I, I get that, you know, historically, to win an NBA title, uh, you have to have one of the top five players in the league. Uh, as good as Donovan Mitchell and, and Mike Connolly and Rudy Gobert are, I don't think you can say any of those guys are a top five player. Um, but, but I do think collectively, with their shooting, ball movement, defense, execution, coaching, and now the familiarity that those guys have been together a couple of years. Uh, I don't see anybody who's better than Utah. And uh, I, I really still like them as a championship bet at eight to one. Ryan, Boston Celtics, they, uh, they have multiple all-stars on the team and they've now lost eight of their last 11. What do they have to do to right the ship? Yeah, a lot's gone wrong for the Celtics recently, Joe. Um, for me, starting with the injury to Marcus Smart, uh, I think he's the heart and soul of that team. He's the toughest guy on the team. He's also the most rugged player and the best defender. Uh, so they've had a few games, actually three games recently, against the Atlanta Hawks. And when I watched them play against Atlanta, not having Marcus Smart to guard Trey Young or whoever the best uh, backcourt player is on the opposing team, I, I think has really hurt them. Uh, so that's first and foremost. Um, you know, secondly, at, at the center spot, they have a, a little bit of a revolving door. Uh, Brad Stevens is trying to figure out the rotation. Uh, Daniel Tice has, has been, you know, relatively solid, but uh, Tristan Thompson and, and, and then Robert Williams the third kind of alternate in the backup role. Uh, those guys have been inconsistent, especially Tristan Thompson. And then Jeff Teague, who they signed uh, as a backup point guard, is underwhelmed this year. He's been outplayed by their rookie. Peyton Pritchard out of Oregon. So there are a lot of questions with the Celtics. Um, think of what they've lost over the last couple of years. Uh, Kyrie Irving is gone. Al Horford is gone. Uh, Gordon Hayward left uh, to Charlotte in, in the sign and trade this year. Uh, Kemba Walker has been injured. So a lot's gone wrong in Boston. There's something clearly off with the team right now. And, uh, you know, Danny Ainge and his staff have a big month ahead of them between now and the trade deadline on March 25th, because obviously uh, they have a few holes and need some help in a few different areas. Going to see a big trade before the deadline, Ryan? You know, that's a good question, um, Ross. Talk, talking to teams around the league, there are more teams that want to buy than sell. And, and I think the main reason for that is with the expanded playing field, keep in mind this is the first year that the teams knew prior to the season that there were going to be play-in games. So the top 10 teams in each conference, 20 teams in a 30-team league would make the initial playoff field and then the teams in the 7th to 10th range in each conference would have to play their way into the final eight uh, by winning one or two games, depending on where they're, they're slotted. And, and I bring that up, guys, because as you look at the standings right now, uh, I think the only team that feels like or, or mathematically looks like they're going to have a hard time getting to 10th is the Minnesota Timberwolves in the Western Conference. I, I think the Timberwolves are nine games back of 10th at the moment, 7-26. and 26. Uh, other than that, even in the East, uh, I think it's, it would be very unlikely uh, that the Detroit Pistons make a run, and I think they're one of the few teams that realizes uh, kind of where they are and that they're a seller. Uh, most teams, guys, want to either hold and see what they have and try to get healthy or buy. They want to add to their team. So I think it will be a seller's market. Uh, I know there would be a number of teams in both conferences, uh, including teams that have underperformed relative to their expectations, uh, like Boston, like Dallas. Uh, to name two, I, I think those teams will want to buy. Uh, I'm just having a hard time at the moment finding a bunch of sellers because even some of the teams toward the bottom of the conferences, like the Washington Wizards in the East and the Sacramento Kings in the West, um, they, they had hopes of making the playoffs this year. Uh, that dream still hasn't died, especially with a 10-team playoff field. So I, I think you'll see teams, even with Washington and Sacramento, 
13th in their conferences, respectively, those teams will either hold or maybe even look to add to their roster. That's Ryan McDonough, former Celtics and Suns executive in the NBA. He hosts the Radio.com NBA show. Make sure you subscribe to that. Make sure you follow Ryan on Twitter, at McDNBA. Ryan, don't go anywhere. want to continue. Uh, the second-half schedule is now out, and we need to talk about the card this evening. Which uh, sides or totals that you like in all these matchups? This is BetQL Daily. Joe Ostrowski, Ross Tucker, you are locked into the BetQL Audio Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Lamella missed the three just a moment ago. He'll try again. Oh, I love the gumption. <laughs> Loose picked up by Lamello. Hornets lead by three. Again. Yes! I love it! It's BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski and Ross Tucker on the BetQL Audio Network. Is your rookie of the year, LaMelo Ball, Joe Ostrowski, Ross Tucker. Follow us on Twitter at BetQL Daily. Make sure you're subscribed to our podcast, BetQL Daily, on radio.com, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you find your podcast. And also, while you're at it, make sure you are subscribed to the radio.com NBA show. Our guest, Ryan McDonough, hosts that. Follow him on Twitter at McDNBA. And Ryan, I noticed uh, yesterday the latest Radio.com NBA show. You interviewed uh, the great Casey Johnson, been on the Bulls beat for a while. He uh, he breaks all the Bulls news here in Chicago. Uh, why did you uh, decide to reach out to Casey to get him on the show? Why did you why do you uh, find this Bulls situation so interesting right now? Well, a number of reasons, guys. I think the Chicago Bulls are ahead of schedule. They won again last night. They beat the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, so they've won three games in a row. And then with a very young roster led by Zach Levine, who was named an all-star for the first time the other night, uh, the Bulls are right about 500 and sixth in the Eastern Conference, where I don't think many people expected them to be. So I, I like the team. I love what I've seen from Levine, uh, what he's doing, guys, as far as not only scoring, but scoring efficiently when he's the focal point of every other team's defense has really stood out to me. And then, uh, you know, the job Billy Donovan has done in his first year on the sideline. And- and Mark Eversley, what they've done in the front office. Uh, I really like this Bulls franchise. I think they're a team on the rise. And as you mentioned, nobody knows them better than Casey Johnson. Uh, Ryan, Ryan, Jerry, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Joe. No, I just wanted to uh, quickly follow up on that. Should we be talking more about Zach Levine as potentially being the most improved player? Well, he, he's certainly in the mix or should be in the mix. Um, the, the challenge, guys, for me with that award is, is, is it's so – subjective and Zach Levine was a good player in years past and so that's always the, the, the challenge to go to a guy who goes from you know good to very good or great like makes a big leap uh, I think Zach's you know been pretty good recently uh, although this year he's been exceptional but yeah I, I think he's certainly in the mix uh, for the award was Christian Wood but Wood has missed so much time uh, with the injury, and then the Rockets have plummeted. Houston's now lost nine games in a row with Wood out of the lineup, uh, so I think that hurts his chances. Uh, my preseason pick was Shea Gilgis-Alexander from OKC. 
Um, I, I don't know if the Thunder will get enough attention for him to win, but he had 42 points last night in a win over San Antonio. Uh, he had 42 in a game. I think the team scored 102. Uh, so I, I still like SGA's chances. But yeah, Zach Levine, as far as a high-level player, uh, as far as you know, an all-star who's also leading his team to winning, uh, he deserves strong consideration for the Most Improved Player Award as well. Um, okay, so are those the guy, two guys that would be your pick, Ryan? Or is there somebody else? Well, um, I'm going to stick... I'm going to stick with SGA because I, I don't like changing my, my preseason picks. Um, you know, he, he's been, again, he's been terrific. I, I just don't know like that their team will get uh, enough, you know, national attention. They play in a small market. Uh, they're below 500. Um, you know, now I, I think what they're doing, like what Mark Dagnall, the head coach has done uh, with a team that, you know, they're playing two European rookies at times, um, Theo Maladon and, and, Andre Pokashevsky before Pokashevsky went to the G League. Uh, I, I, that's personally fascinating to me. I, I just don't know if there's enough of a narrative there around SGA for him to win the award. Unless, guys, somehow if he can carry that team to the play-in matchups, if he can get Oklahoma City with a young roster, uh, they made a bunch of trades. Basically, every move they made was long-term and forward-thinking. Uh, Chris Paul went out. Steven Adams went out. Dennis Schroeder went out. So, so uh, And then even you know, a guy they requi- acquired in a trade, uh, Danny Green in, in the Dennis Schroeder deal, then they flipped him to Philadelphia. So they were clearly and are clearly rebuilding. They're not focused on this year. Uh, despite that, guys, they won over 40% of their games. And as I look in the standings, uh, they are currently 12th in the Western Conference, and they're only about two and a half games back of 10th, which would put them in play-in range. So if SGA can carry this team somehow to the play-in scenario, then and I, I think there's a good chance uh, he deserves, uh, he certainly deserves the most Improved player award. Uh, we'll see if he gets it or not. Uh, but but he certainly it would would have done enough at that point to warrant winning the award. Yeah, right now we have uh, Jeremy Grant as the big betting favorite of the Detroit Pistons. So we'll see what happens uh, the rest of the way there. Ryan, yesterday we got the second half schedule. We were waiting on it, and then uh, we finally got it. So it, it looks like most uh, teams, if you if you're not going to be participating in All Star Weekend, you'll have about a week off. Uh, the regular season wraps in the middle of May instead of early April, like most seasons. And then we got the playoff schedule. Anything stand out to you about uh, the announcements? Well, I, I think it's something the league will consider doing going forward, guys. And, and what I mean by that is um, because the league had basically half the season or at least a third of a season to see how teams played, uh, what they look like, who was you know more or less competitive than they anticipated, uh, now they can kind of stack the matchups, especially for national television, the second half of the year. So I, I think mm-hmm. it's an intriguing concept. By the NBA, um, one of the things that stood out to me, guys, and this is just a kind of a math problem, is some of the teams that have missed a lot of time due to COVID. Uh, when I look at the San Antonio Spurs in particular, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, um, you know, a lot of teams, guys, have played 32 or 33 games. Uh, as I look at Memphis, they played 27. Um, you, know, you know, as I look at San Antonio, they played 28. So I, I bring that up because. It looks like the league is going to hold everybody to try to play 72. That, that's the goal. Uh, so when you look at the Spurs and Grizzlies and Wizards schedule uh, in the second half of the season, it is loaded. Um, so I, I just wonder if those teams are going to get worn down. Uh, it's an unusual year, obviously, with COVID, with the additional testing, and the league is being very strict about contact tracing and holding guys out of the lineup. 
I just wonder if playing, uh, I think those teams are playing like 40 games in 78 days, something like that. Uh, It's, you know, averaging uh, more than a game uh, every two days. I I think at some point uh, the fatigue is going to set in. And so I'd be worried if I'm an executive uh, or player coach with Washington, Memphis, and San Antonio, how my team will be impacted, especially as the season drags on and we get into late spring and the games start to stack up and the travel gets pretty brutal for those teams. So, Ryan, one team we never talk about, but I need to bring it up for multiple reasons. It's the Minnesota Timberwolves. So, I think the first high school basketball game I ever went to, Ryan, was the Berks County Championship, and Chris Finch was starting for Wilson High School. Now he is an NBA head coach. My dad took me. I was like eight years old, seven years old. Now he's the NBA head coach. So, number one, your thoughts on Finch. Number two, I don't remember ever seeing this, where a coach gets fired midseason and they hire an assistant from another team. Like, that is – how do you even have an interview process? That is – I mean, I'm happy for him, but it's bizarre. Well, you bring up a number of good points, uh, Ross. Yeah, Chris Finch was an assistant coach, longtime NBA assistant coach. Uh, he also had a lot of success overseas and in the G League. Uh, he coached the Great Britain national team in the 2012 Olympics when they hosted the Olympics in London. So he has a lot of coaching experience, but he's never been an NBA head coach. Uh, but this is very unusual. As, as you mentioned, it has not happened in the league since 2009, where a team hires an assistant coach off another team's bench in the middle of a season. Um, I, I believe the last one was Lionel Hollins. I, I think that's when Lionel got hired by the Brooklyn Nets. And, and I bring it up, guys, because it's really unusual. And the reason most teams don't do it is, uh, think of the difficult position that Chris Finch is in right now. So, so he goes from uh, Tampa, you know, where, where Toronto's playing, uh, to, to Minnesota uh, or on the road the last couple of games. They've been in Milwaukee and Chicago. But he's dropped in on the fly. He has a team that's in the bottom 10 in the league in offense and defense. They have the worst record in the NBA. Uh, their starting point guard, D'Angelo Russell, is out due to knee surgery. Uh, he does not have his assistance, which, which compounds the awkwardness because a few of the assistants on the bench for Minnesota, uh, Pablo Prigioni, Brian Gates, and then David Vanterpool in particular, uh, who most people, including myself, thought would be promoted to interim head coach if Ryan Sanders got fired, which he did. Uh, those guys are still on. Now they're Chris Finch's assistants, guys. So he didn't have a training camp. He didn't have a preseason. I inherited the team with a number of issues. Uh, one, one issue I haven't mentioned is the team is also for sale. Glenn Taylor, the owner, is trying to sell the team. So uh, I bring it up, guys, because I'm not trying to pile on the Timberwolves. In fact, we'll have Darren Wilson, a Timberwolves insider, on my radio.com NBA show later today to get into this. Uh, but I can't remember a new NBA head coach walking into as difficult of a situation as Chris Finch just walked into with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah, it's a a wild story. Ryan McDonough, host of the Radio.com NBA show with us on BetQL Daily. Uh, Ryan, how about tonight's games? We have six matchups. you got some star power in Dallas at Philadelphia. Uh, Later tonight should be some high-scoring affairs. Washington against Denver, New Orleans against Milwaukee. Anything that uh, you find appealing? Yeah, so so looking at the games tonight, guys, the the one that stood out to me, uh, is the late game on TNT. Um, you know, I, Milwaukee is about a minus nine. Uh, it's Pelicans at Bucks Again, late game tonight on TNT. Uh, I, I like New Orleans in that one. I, I like New Orleans, especially if they're getting, you know, close to double-digit points. Uh, the Pelicans got off to a slow start. Uh, they, they were underwhelming, especially on the defensive end of the court. 
Um, and then now they're a volatile and erratic team, but they are a talented team. And I like the way they've been playing better lately. Uh, Zion Williamson was just named an all-star for the first time. Uh, Brandon Ingram is, is one of the more talented scorers in the league. Uh, so I, I like New Orleans tonight, guys, at Milwaukee. Uh, Milwaukee's a much better team at home than they are on the road. Uh, but nine points seems like a lot to me for the Bucks to give up against the Pelicans. All right, let's talk Nets. Uh, they are hosting Orlando. They're laying eight and a half. I guess I'm just curious. Do you think they're clearly better than my Sixers, Ryan? And it feels like, Joe and I were talking about this earlier, it feels like they're almost better when one of the big three doesn't play. It's like the other two step up and play really well as opposed to when they have all three guys. I think there's something to that, Ross. I mean, I, you know, now in the playoffs and to win at a high level, they'll need all three of those guys. But in the short term, in the regular season, uh, that, that's one of the points I made when they made the trade with Houston is uh, what an advantage for Steve Nash because uh, basically at all times you can have two of those guys on the court and then, you know, different times when they're all healthy, you could have three of them on the court. Uh, but now I think without Kevin Durant, who's a you know phenomenal player, again, he was my preseason pick for MVP, uh, and, and he seems like he hasn't missed a beat coming off the torn Achilles. Um, but I bring it up because um, they're talented enough uh, that, that I think, um, you know, sometimes in the short term, in the regular season, it's easy to manage with Harden and Kyrie um, without, you know, Durant in the lineup. So it looks like he'll be out again tonight with Lestrain Hamstring. Uh, I like what they've done. And, and Kyrie Irving, to his credit, uh, seems like he has been pushing for this. Uh, Kyrie uh, said a couple weeks ago that he told James Harden, look, you're the point guard. I'm the off guard. You handle the ball. You make the plays. Uh, Harden's done phenomenally well in that role. And uh, the Brooklyn Nets have been on a roll, guys. Uh, they're, they're the first team in over a decade to win five consecutive games on a Western Conference road trip. And, and what really impressed me was they swept the entire Pacific Division that includes a lot of good teams, especially Phoenix, in the two in L.A. Make sure you're subscribed to the Radio.com NBA show. That's Ryan McDonough. He hosts that at McD NBA. Uh, thanks, Ryan. We're going to check out the Casey Johnson episode from yesterday on the Bulls and then uh, what you guys are going to post today on the T-Wolves. Yeah, appreciate it, Joe and Ross. Always great to be on with you guys. And that, that show with Darren Wilson, we'll get into it uh, later this afternoon. We'll get into the Chris Finch hire, uh, passing over David Vanderpool, Carl Anthony Towns, and then some of the pressure on Minnesota guys. Keep in mind, they owe a first-round pick to Golden State as a result of that Andrew Wiggins, D'Angelo Russell deal. And, and that's about a 50-50 proposition at this point. So we'll get into all that on today's Radio.com NBA show. Look forward to it. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks, guys. Uh, there's Ryan McDonough, Joe Ostrowski, Ross Tucker here. Ross, I didn't even think about part of the reason that the NBA didn't announce the second half schedule. Isn't just COVID related and making up games. It's okay. We're halfway through the year. Let's it's figure brilliant. out who's good. It's Let's brilliant. Like for the NFL, I know you can flex things out with Sunday night football, but for the NFL, are you putting the Cowboys, let's say on a Monday night football game, if you know Dak Prescott's out for the year? No. And then, right. by the way, they're talking about maybe even having some flex scheduling for Monday night football now for the they NFL. Should. That's one thing they're working on, which is tough logistically on a lot of different levels, but they're working on it. What I don't understand, though, Joe, is the NFL, they set it up so that the, the schedule is like completely automated, right? Like there's no subjectivity. The NBA, like, where, where's the balance there? You know what I mean? Yeah. Is it all TV ratings or are we sure? It's exactly fair for everybody. 
Love it. We're going to get into some NFL draft props that posted yesterday next. Joe Ostrowski, Ross Tucker, you are locked into the BetQL Audio Network.